This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Hey, listeners, welcome back to Together. This is Samuel and Rachel, and we have tons of listeners who are engaged and ready to hear this episode. We've been waiting for this I'm one. I'm telling you, I'm ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel, let me tell you, we've been doing this for six seasons. On the sixth day, God created man. <laughs> and on the sixth season, yeah. God must have entered uh, the heart of this particular couple and said, you are coming to together. Yes. And they're going to share because it kind of rhymes with man, you know, a little bit man something, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so we somehow. won't ruin that. We right. won't ruin that. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. I want to also just thank our listeners a second. We have had almost 28,000 downloads so far, yeah. all time. Yeah. And that means that we've also had almost 1,200 unique listeners that have listened to this podcast. And it would be all for not if not for this couple. And yeah, so uh, that's true, Rachel. That's true. Who do we have today with us? Joining us today are Jeff and Chris Mannion. Uh, wow. They have been a gift to this church family for uh, about as long as they've been married. So it's so <laughs> neat to get to step in to uh, learn a little bit more about your marriage journey. And, you know, I've not tag-teamed with you for a little while, Samuel, so I feel like this is just really neat that we get to share this together. Picking back up where we left off? Always, always. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So welcome, Mannions. We would love to just get started. You know, not everybody knows you. I think most people do at this point. (laughs) Um, We've been around. You've been been around. around. You've been around. So, (laughs) um, So tell us about yourselves. Tell us about your family and your relationship to Ada Bible. Jeff and Chris Mannion, senior pastor for coming up on 40 years. Wow. I say senior pastor. Originally, it was solo pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I, was the only, I was the only one on staff for 10 years, so yeah. Uh, yeah. solo pastor. And uh, oh. I'm, with, uh, I'm with Chris, my bride of 40 years. Wow. That's amazing, Chris. Uh, you know, we're going to get into a little bit about your love story and how you met and all that, but... Um, just tell me, like you and Jeff are in this space. You're 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 excited about you know the season of life that you're in now. Um, what is it um, to be as a, as just a bride and a mom and a woman of God who's just covered so many women here at Ain't About? What is that the feeling in this season of life right now for you? Where are you at in that season? I feel excited about what yeah. the future holds. Yeah, um, there. are are a lot of memories that are flooding back oh, as I mm-hmm. think about the years mm-hmm. and we start thinking about, you know, what this new phase in our life is going to look like. Absolutely. Um, and so I feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like I have regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, I love where our family is right now. I love where our marriage is and the church is amazing. So... I'm very um, content. That's awesome. Listen, you have been an incredible gift. Even before I came to Ada Bible, you know, I heard a little bit about Jeff. But, you know, Chris, because I was at Kidwood Campus, I always saw you, you know, come into Kidwood Campus very often. I was like, oh, who is this young lady? I'm this brand new old campus. Like, who is this lady that keeps going? That's Chris Mannion. Oh, Chris, like Chris Jeff Mannion. Oh, hey, you know. And I see I've done and, the same thing. You know, like, but, man, yeah. just the incredible gift that you are to the body of Christ. We want to mm-hmm. say thank you before. 
or even jump headlong mm-hmm. to this podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you for being the woman of God that you are. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. An yeah. incredible investment yeah. and just hugely engaged yeah. um, with this church family. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your family. What does your family look like these days? Mm-hmm. Our family's pretty awesome. We have three adult children, um, all in their 30s. And I say we have three children, but really we have six because I believe that my son-in-law and daughter-in-laws are my children as well. I love mm-hmm. them just as much. And then we have five wonderful grandchildren. Our oldest is nine. He's a grandson. We have two seven-year-old granddaughters and two three-and-a-half-year-old granddaughters. So the posse is up to 13. (laughs) And uh, when we all get together, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Our daughter lived uh, in uh, Chicago for seven years with her husband, but is now back in Grand Rapids. And uh, our youngest son, Alex, lived internationally for three years. He's back in Grand Rapids for some time now. And so it looked like we were just going to scatter. But we have that rare, very rare situation of having all of the kids and grandkids within about a 20-minute drive of our house. So. And we are wow. thankful every day for that because you never know when that's going to change. Mm-hmm. You sure. Know? So, mm-hmm. And you maybe at one point thought that would never be oh, no. the case. Yeah. No. In fact, um, I, I kind of joke and I say, you know, I told my kids as they were growing up, you go anywhere you want to go, do whatever you want to do, serve God wherever. Ever it's going to be, but when you have my grandbabies, you come home. <laughs> and they obeyed you. And they kind of did. Okay, that's really good. That's really good. Not everybody gets that bargain. You know? No, not everybody. Uh, we'll so I, I'm grateful. We'll take it Very yeah, grateful. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Well, well, Jeff and Chris, um, again, not a lot of people know this part of your story, so we're going to jump into that space. But uh, uh, when when two people meet, you know, I don't know if it's just sparks or it's just amazing. You're like, I've got to be with that person, but we've got to know. Like, how did you two meet? What's that story behind that? Senior year of high school, uh, Sacramento, California. Uh, Chris was new to youth group. Uh, was a youth group I'd attended for for three years, and uh, I walked down in the basement for youth group, a thriving youth ministry, and uh, there was Chris, a visitor, and invited by Jill, uh, invited by uh, Jane, Jane yeah, mm-hmm. Mike and Jane. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I want you to meet my friend Chris, and I met her friend Chris. I just said, she's cute, really cute. <laughs> and uh, a <sighs> uh, month later, I that was in May of our senior year, or March. March of our senior year. Mm-hmm. Month later, April, I called and asked her out, and she oh. said no. Oh, yes. You did not. <laughs> she did. Oh, I wanted to go out with him so bad, but I had already had a previous date for an event at school, mm. and um, and I wanted desperately to get out of this and this date so that I could go out with Jeff, and then the the boy that I was supposed to go on this date with, he called and said, I can't go out. I'm grounded. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> so, so I so contacted yeah. my friend Jane who yeah. brought me to youth group. Okay. Yeah. Jane, Jane, I can go out. And, and then go. Jane calls me and says, yeah. ask her. I said, already yeah. did. And she said, no, no, ask her again. No, <laughs> ask her again. So we went on a double date with Mike and Jane. And that was uh, April of our uh, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, started going out consistently, and then college rolls around months later, and both of us came to Grand Rapids, Michigan to attend a very small Bible college. And so, the how long did you date? I mean, sometimes you date, but you see someone once a week. Sure. This tiny Bible college with most of the same classes, most of the same meals together. Uh, we were on this campus, you know, day after day with each other. So, it gets accelerated a little mm-hmm. bit. Sure. And so... Um, Dated for uh, two years of college. I proposed, got married after our third year. I had just turned 21. You were 21 for a few more months. 
I married an older woman. She's got. Okay, there you go. She's got a couple months. Already. But um, before you made that decision to go to that school, you already wondered if there was something really significant going on, and that's why you both went there, or you just happened to both be heading in that direction. Uh, it was longer longer story than that. I was planning on going to the school. I mm-hmm. felt that I was ministry bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a brand new believer. And wow. that I walked into that youth group the first night, and that was the first time I had ever been to a youth group. Uh, wow. My friend Jane had invited me, and um, so I was just a brand new believer. Mm. And first, you know, March of my senior year, um, youth group, church, all that kind of stuff. So um, I did not know where I was going what I was doing. All I knew is that at that point in my life, all I wanted to know, do is know God. Mm. And so, and know him deeper because I felt here I am 18. I've missed out on a lot of God. What am I going to do? Sure. I had a lot to catch up on. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So the Dean of Students have come shared with our youth group. I'm like, I am supposed to be at that college. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that part of your story. And you probably came with that obvious like desire to learn more and we're just a sponge. Um, came here, went to school together. Mm-hmm. And then when did you know you were heading toward marriage? Yeah. Oh, it, I don't know. How, would you, how do we answer that? I don't know. Um, well, <laughs> we get there? well uh, you know, what was interesting is I think towards the end of our schooling, we... Um, started kind of like we said playhouse started talking and dreaming yeah. about the future but then went wait a minute we don't we aren't engaged we started yet. using the term we when we, we graduate oh, sure okay. uh, do you think we should mm-hmm. uh, become church planters in the western state so mm-hmm. she, she says playhouse it, she doesn't you know yeah i don't mean we got you yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah just um, dreaming yeah. kind of together. Yeah, we started using yeah. the word we, but we weren't yeah. engaged. So mm-hmm. I proposed after our second year of college. Okay. So okay. I was 20 when we pro- I, I proposed, okay. barely. Uh, 21 when we got married, and uh, one month and a half, mm-hmm. two months after, I still had my final year of Bible college, received a call from a church plant, Ada Bible Church. The church planter had resigned. Mm. They were trying to figure out what to do, and they asked me to come in and speak from week to week while they tried to. So this was fast moving at this point. You're you're married. Oh. You're, you're moving oh. to ministry. You're taking yeah, your business. And we had our applications filled out entirely to head west to do church planting in the west. Wow. We were from California. You weren't staying here? Oh, no. 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 Way too many churches in Grand Rapids. Oh, right. Let's go to a place with greater right. need. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, but the long I was filling in at Ada Bible Church, the more it became evident that um, our unique gifts uh, mm-hmm. could could help this church get off the ground. So, uh, Yeah, so we got married in June, mm-hmm. and in August was the first time he spoke at Ada Bible Church. Wow. Yeah, two months later. Two months. So we had just gotten back from our honeymoon, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, that was the first time he spoke at Ada Bible Church. And so here I was, a brand new believer at the age of 17, almost 18, and by 21, 21. I am a pastor's wife with no training whatsoever <laughs> growing up in the church or anything. Yeah, and I was raised yeah. in a—my father was a pastor. My father was a church planter. Uh, right. First 12 years out in the western states, you know, southern mm-hmm. Idaho. So, like, I was—these these were the waters that I had been birthed yeah. into, mm-hmm. and these were his alien terrain for her. <laughs> Wow. wow. Familiar, foreign. Yeah. So you start at this little church mm-hmm. and it didn't stay little. 
It stayed little for a long time. Okay. Uh, we were uh, there. We were at Ada Bible for seven years before it got up to a hundred people okay. consistently. Okay. Actually, wow. grew up to a hundred in about three years, and then went through three failed building programs where we said we were going to build and didn't, and postponed and postponed. Yeah. Dropped down to about fifty, and then finally, seven years in, we broke a hundred, and then grew from there. Mm-hmm. So, um, if if there are overnight success stories, we were not that at all. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. In that space um, of seven years of growth in your church, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably seven years of growth in your marriage as well during that time. Um, that journey of seeing your dream, your vision, what God has called you into as a couple. Um, and yet being like, I don't know if like numbers were a predictor of success or just souls, but in that space, your marriage is paramount too. And you're in the entry stage of this. Like, tell me about how that, you know, you were navigating those nuances of marriage while also being in ministry those first seven years. If you have any stories or thoughts. Yeah, let me begin and you jump in. Uh, First seven years were radically different than the second seven years. Mm -hmm. So years one to 14, uh, first seven years is like trying to push a pickup truck uphill that had run out of gas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there are only a few of us. The next seven years was like, we all jumped in the back and it was screaming down the other side and you're not sure if anyone's driving. So first seven years, zero to 100. That's a powerful visual. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. First first seven years, zero to, or 20 to 100. Next seven years, 100 to 900. Mm. And so we were having our kids during those first three years. Exactly. Um, The church, I was just your small church pastor, solo staff, couldn't get it off the ground. Finances were always short, mm-hmm. right. and then uh, child number one, child number two, child number three. Mm-hmm. And so um, how was our marriage doing that time? Uh, I, I do know that we probably checked in for counseling for the first time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't healthy. Yeah. And if, if I had to say my priorities at that time, and I'm being descriptive here, not, sure. not prescriptive. Sure. Mm-hmm. My priority one was trying to get the church off the ground. Mm-hmm. Priority number sure. two, any energy left over went to the kids yeah. and Chris got what sure. was left over. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times there was not much left over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and ideally that's probably how a lot of couples in that space, whether it's their career or um, their orientation towards post-secondary education, some level, they're trying to get this, the things, the resources, the, thing. the things right. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then the relationship takes a Well, also seat. during this time, he was getting his master's degree. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So it was you, it was interesting. Yeah, it was a small team on this small church uh-huh. staff. <laughs> you were on it probably. Uh, did you feel like that required a lot of you during that stretch to building this church? Um, yeah, uh, the the church never required it of me, but mm-hmm. I felt as though this was part of me too and my way of serving. So sure. yes, I was very yes. very involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one lady saying to me it doesn't go unnoticed that you're cleaning the bathrooms. Mm. I'm like, why? I'm just, I'm just cleaning the bathrooms. Everybody, it, everybody, everybody pitches in. You do what yeah. you got to do. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I'm like, well, it probably should because yeah. I'm just one of the team. So <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. 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 I used to mow the lawn, you know, mm-hmm. yep. because you were on rotation and someone would go over with their mower and mow the lawn, you know, so mm-hmm. every five or six weeks. You, but we just did that. Mm-hmm. That's just what you did. So the second seven years though, mm-hmm. uh, was you know going from 100 to 900 and it, when and Chris looks back I've heard her say before that the closest we came to a breaking point was probably when the church was around 300 people mm. and yet I was still the only person on staff oh. with mm-hmm. no secretarial support mm-hmm. wow and so we went from 100 to 300 fast enough 
that our decision-making wheels of trying to bring other people in and getting that ready on a budgetary. Uh, and so I don't know if you want to talk about that phase at all, but that was, she yeah, looks was back at that as being, being the hardest time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, because of the, the time it was taking to hire people and I had preschoolers and the church was, you know, it just, it was a good time, but it was a hard time. Yeah. And I think that that was kind of almost a, a breaking point. And it's weird because people, particularly in church ministry, you just want that thing to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is the trauma of not growing, and then there's the trauma of growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And easily, I mean, far and away, hands down, growing from 100 to 300 was more traumatic than growing from 1,000 to 3,000. Wow. Easy. Okay. Wow. Why is that, Jeff? Uh, below 100, everybody knew everybody. We knew everybody's kids' names. We knew where everybody worked. We knew where everybody lived. Mm-hmm. 300 were at two services. Um. Uh, still doing all of the funerals, all of the weddings, no one else in the office but me. All of the meetings were in the evening because everyone was a volunteer. They had to get off work before we could meet. Mm -hmm. So there were no daytime meetings. And so night after night after night, I would do five or six sessions of pre-marriage counseling with every couple that I married. I was doing all the marriages. There were summers where we had couples in our house night after night after night. And so... Um, we did all the premarriage counseling at the house. Yeah. 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 And so it was, uh, and so we would have been probably around 30, 31 at the time, you know, uh, 10 years into our, the, the life of our church. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and so, and then when you, when you have, uh, you know, when you have the luxury of staff, there's also the challenge of leading the staff. <laughs> yeah, and so absolutely. Uh, churches rarely run themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. uh, yeah, so I wouldn't say, but, but once, you're at a, once we were at 1,000, so many systems were in place. We're already at multiple services. Mm-hmm. Um, people were already not used to having one-on-one attention with the senior pastor mm-hmm. at 1,000. Mm-hmm. And so, but that was really hard getting from 100 to 300 where you, you had really immediate attention with the senior pastor, and then you lost that. So yeah. for growing churches, I say the challenge is every time you, you gain something, you lose something. Sure. And it's not like a little church got bigger. It was like a little church died to make way for a bigger one. And you just grieve stuff that yeah. you used sure. to. Yeah. You know, like knowing everybody's names. You just grieve mm-hmm. the loss of that. Yeah, and, and just like in, in, as I hear he's talking about that and the ebbs and flows of ministry is the ebbs and flows of marriage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. goes right along with that, right? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what, what lives, what dies. Um, I don't know. Is there any aspect of that? And maybe in those 10 years of, of, of ministry and marriage together that you have something that sticks out that this is something that kind of helped us and this is something that we had to grow in in that space. Honestly, uh and maybe people can identify this who are trying to navigate a growing marriage while mm-hmm. finishing a degree, starting a company, mm-hmm. building a house, yeah. something like that. Sometimes you just hang on. Mm-hmm. And I know that we emerged from that, but it is just really difficult for me to look back and say, and these were the three principles that made, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh-huh. I just kind of yeah. literally, I go like, we made it, you yeah. know, uh, we survived it. We made it through it. We got to a healthier space on the other side. But it's, it's hard to look back and see definitive moments. And then I decided this, and it led to this. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. just a whole lot of hanging on in there. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had a more encouraging no, answer, but that's I, really... I think that's realistic, Rachel. I think it yeah. is. And you know, maybe you would look back and say, you know, we had hopes that it wouldn't stay this way forever. Yeah. You know, and we were, yeah. we were 
you know, counting on that and making it through. Because um, at some point, it it looked a little different. Um, it it sounds like it was really intense when the church went from small church to big. But once it was more established and those systems were in place, mm-hmm. it felt a little different at home. The pressure of being a senior pastor of a large church, it really never goes away. Yeah, sure. And so uh, if that was a close to a breaking point, we probably drifted from there into, and I don't even like the word, so apologies, normal ministry pressure sure. versus sure. extremely abnormal mm-hmm. uh, ministry pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But understand something too, when we were at 300, this is what we had wanted all those years. Mm-hmm. I, I mean like, Your you know, dream. Well, <laughs> right, right, right. We're reaching it. Oh, During oh, that sure. time, a church of 300 was a huge church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You yeah. know? So that was big to me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. someone said, do you ever think Ada would be a big church? Yeah. It was 350 where you have a part-time youth pastor and a secretary and uh, someone else is typing the bulletins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's fair. Carrying a lot of ministry and being married is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I had a breakthrough moment. Um, it was the opening Sunday of our Cascade campus. So it was about what, 20? July, 2020. So Excuse me, July, 2000. Of 2000, yeah. So about 23 years ago. Mm-hmm. And... Um, because we had been in different facilities and stuff while we were growing, I never really saw all the people. And the opening Sunday, I'm standing, I, I started, I don't, I don't, I'm not a person that panics. And yet when I have panicked, it's been about the church. And so I just started panicking a little bit. And where were you physically? I was, I was down on the main floor and I went up the steps on the bridge to look over because we can look over and see everybody. Mm-hmm. And I saw all these people <gasps> and I just went, uh, uh, and um, I, I had a time with the Lord. I said, Lord, what are we going to do? Right. There's no way we can help all of these people. Who's going to take care of them? And I very calmly had a peaceful moment and it was, you don't have to, I will. And, I was fine. It was like, okay, you're right. You've got this. It's not about me. So yeah. it was a big breakthrough moment for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. I know in that transition through <clears throat> marriage and through ministry, um, there's those big topics that come up with couples mm-hmm. a lot of times, for, such as finances, yeah. you know, and how do you navigate those things. Um just from your own life lessons, you know, as we think about the several listeners, we have an age gap of, I don't know, 18, 21 to 69 Mm -hmm. and above. And um, several of them, you know, are always navigating the challenge of finances. You know, what are maybe some thoughts or stories that you may have around just how do you navigate it, talking about money and working through that? You know, it's very interesting. As I look back on so many things, I can't go, okay, and this was a breakthrough moment. (laughs) With finances, there really was one. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, yep. And Mm -hmm. literally, I mean, if I were to condense it right now, we, we like never argue about money. Hmm. Uh, and I don't think we've argued much about money for the last 23, 25 years. Wow. Before that point, almost every conversation about putting together led to an argument hmm. and a high intense argument and a little bit of a meltdown. And uh, huh. I don't Who know. Melted? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, and, and so uh, and it was like we were looking at it from two radically different perspectives, even in uh, paying bills. Hmm. 
And I was saying like, oh, just add everything up, divide by 12. And Chris was like, no, 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 your paycheck comes in every two weeks. And so this paycheck will cover this bill and this paycheck will cover this bill. And I go, why are you even looking at it that way? And so 25 years ago, and so it, it's like every conversation led to almost an impasse and what we needed was a referee. Uh, and oh. the referee that we got was a financial program. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so there are so many good ones out there, whether it's you know Financial Peace University or Compass Ministries mm-hmm. now. The course that we went through at the time was Crown Ministries. And basically, it was the director of the program and the workbook that said, do this next. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Write down all your debts. Do this next. Write down your income. Do this next. What are your monthly expenses? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like there was someone else coaching us in the next move. And literally, once we got through that program and got some basic things nailed down, yeah. it is amazing the lack of financial uh, attention that we've had since that wow. point. We are on the same page with a couple things. We're on the same page of living debt-free. And so we only buy stuff if we've got the money for it. We uh, pay, we're religiously pay off our credit card. We use a credit card a lot, but we pay it off every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on the same page with generosity. And so we both you know, hold ourselves to a very healthy standard of giving, giving money away generously and um, also having money before we spend money. <laughs> and so, Absolutely. So on the same yeah. page with those yeah. is huge. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and, you know, so. Yeah. And if you're not, that can lead to so much strain in a marriage. Right. Was that guide something that helped you um, with some of those practices, or you kind of adopted some of that before? At that point, we needed someone else to say, okay. do this next, do this next, do this next, do this next. And it wasn't that she uh, submitted to my way of thinking mm-hmm. or that I submitted to her way of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's that we both submitted to the program. <laughs> right, right. And so it was. Yeah. it's just one of those weird things. And I don't know that that's going to you know, prescriptive for anybody else. But for us, just describing our story, um, literally we went from almost an argument every time to an argument never. So it's one of those weird things where there's a breakthrough. Wow, so it's like sooner the better. What was really neat is this program that we went through was um, uh, very scripturally based Mm -hmm. also. And so when I realized, because I think it's in First Chronicles, it says everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord, Mm -hmm. and this is your kingdom. It is at your hand, that manner, you know, you can go on and on. And when I realized, wait a minute, this isn't mine, it's yours, that was a huge breakthrough for us, um, for me, for me to be able to say, Okay, mm-hmm. this is God's. Okay, yeah, let's stewardship, figure it out. stewardship 101. I'm yeah, not the okay. owner, I'm the manager. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I want to honor God's God with resources. my money. Yeah. So, what does that mean? And, sure. you know, going from there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You, you said, I'm not the owner. I'm the man. Well, yeah, stewardship the 101. Yeah. The word stewardship means yeah. management. And so yeah. when someone talks about stewardship, they often think money they give away. Right. But it's the whole, it's the stuff we buy, stuff we save, the stuff we give away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that, that would be something else that we agree on too, which is probably the foundation point of the, the other stuff, sure. is that we're the managers. Uh, op, you know, we have to remind ourselves of this constantly, right? So it's not like we nailed it 25 years ago. Sure. But uh, mm-hmm. God is the owner. I'm the manager. Our wealth, our savings, uh, these are to be used for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And once you nail some things like that, um, and so neither of us fell into the more and better stuff mm-hmm. trap. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so what I hear you saying, you both saying is, I can break maybe break this down into, you know, 
first 15 years, the next 25 years, being a young couple growing to growing into maturity um, in your marriage as a couple, it sounds like don't be afraid to take the steps that are needed to do some self-reflection and navigate what's going on in your financial household. Yeah. Right? And then in that space, also don't be afraid to come underneath some stewardship, some support that can guide you mm-hmm. into the way. You know, I mean, me and my wife are under 10 years, you yeah. know, or 10 years. And wow. so when we think about those things, it's like, don't be afraid to take the steps. Don't be afraid to submit yourself. Well, let me go to, to a step guidance. further. Yeah. It, don't, don't, don't be afraid to say, we're not figuring this out. We need some. We need a third chair. We need a third chair. And in that case, the third chair was Crown Ministries uh, <laughs> uh, curriculum. Uh, four times, okay, forty. We're married forty years. Four times, we've had to check in for a season of counseling, mm-hmm. and that is another time where you just go, "We don't like each other now." Mm-hmm. And if this is a long haul thing, for better for worse, until one of us dies. We don't, we don't want the future to look like the last few months. And so I think in there is just the humility mm-hmm. or the personal mm-hmm. brokenness just to be able to say, we need a third chair here because we're just mm-hmm. talking past each other and this isn't working. And so um, knowing, knowing, I would say knowing when to get help, but I don't think that's it. I think it's the willingness to get help. The willingness, help. that makes sense. Before somebody's packing and moving out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then in that other aspect of marriage where you kind of got your flow, you got the things kind of figured out, your maturity is in there. What kind of advice, I guess, would you give to those couples who are in those, you know, the next phase of life, that next season of life, you know, as you think about your process right now? Well, there's a couple, there are a couple of things. Um, for the women out there, I continue, I changed my way of praying. Mm. Um, for a long time, it was God change him, do this, do this. I was telling God what to do. And finally it was like, because this is what I wanted out of Jeff kind of thing. And um, I changed my way of praying and it was God mold my husband into the man you want, you want him to be. And um, anytime there was a struggle or something, it was like, okay, God, you've got this. You're molding him, not me. And it gave me a new perspective and an outlook and maybe a patience. Mm-hmm. And times when I could have really, whatever, um, screamed or whatever, it's like, okay, God, you got this because you're molding him, not me. Um, and another thing that was kind of later on for our advice, but um, uh, I realized that all of a sudden it hit me, we've Every decade, uh, we had to readjust who we, how we related to each other and who we were. It's like, here I am at 30, I met you at 18, we're still relating to each other in ways of being 18, 21, whatever. And here we are with 30, we're, his career is taking off, all these things. And then it was 40 and the things women go through in their 40s. And it's just like, you know... And probably men too, but every decade you kind of realize, oh, something's off here. How do we get back together on the same page? And so you learn and grow every decade. It's a change. Yeah. Learning, learning to love Chris as a mother of preschoolers mm. was different than learning to love Chris as a mother of high schoolers, mm. which is different than learning to love Chris as the kids abandoned us. 
<laughs> and, we sure. became, and we became yeah, empty nests. Right. And so I, back in the day when I used to do pre-marriage counseling with the couples I was marrying, um, I've been, been delivered from that since. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say, you're going to stand across from this person. You're going to give your vows to a person. You're not simply promising your faithfulness to the person you're looking at. Mm. You're promising your faithfulness to the 43-year-old she will become and the 63-year-old she will become and the 78-year-old yeah. to be determined what I'll be like become. at 60. Right. And so you are yeah. making your vows to a stranger mm-hmm. because you're committing yourself to the future version of them. Mm. And so I, I just don't think that, at least not for us, you go, okay, well, we figured it out when... You know, when we were 28, we went to this conference and that's where we mm-hmm. figured it out. We've had to figure it out and refigure it out and refigure it out. It's ongoing. Mm-hmm. One of our biggest shocks is was Empty Nest. Surprising. Oh, there's all these books on having your first child and getting the nursery ready. Mm-hmm. I was totally unprepared for getting walloped, slammed by the adjustments of really? uh, our, our youngest moving out. We mm-hmm. had three kids in... Less than four years, so that was a bold move. Yeah, we where we we just go and we go hard yeah, at yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how to take our time yeah, on anything. Yeah, yeah. and so that's where we were. Yep. Yeah. And so our children all left at the same time as well, pretty much. Wow. And um, and I was forty six years old. And had poured my, herself into the kids. Yeah, I. You know, it. it Yes. And you, you probably figure out how to parent together and, and it was so invested and involved. Mm-hmm. And then when that's not there... And all your other oh, friends. What did you relate oh, with one another no, about? No, no, no. Even when you go out to dinner for a date night, it's oh, like a business right. meeting because you're oh, sitting across yeah, from sure. each other at a date night and the company sitting on the table between you <laughs> is child number two, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> right. and child number one. And what are right. we going to do about... Yep. And so uh, I remember I remember a day I walked into the house. And I said, hey, where's everybody? And Chris looked at me and said, we are everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. so, um, and another thing happened too. Chris poured herself into family management. Sure. Uh, she worked... Uh, but it was part-time so that she could have, you know, be there when the kids got home type thing. And so poured herself into the kids. And so here's this point where our youngest leaves and left, left. I mean, he moved to Ukraine. So it wasn't just like around the corner at junior college, you yeah. know, it was like, you know, community college. And he your was youngest. Youngest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he left, left you know, for three years and right. visit from time to time. <laughs> uh, and so it felt to me like her workload plummeted because of the lack of family management with the kids that was Mm. necessary. In that same period of time, shortly after that, I wrote three books in six years. And so I was still a senior pastor. Major responsibilities growing as we were going multi-campus. Sure. I then became an author. With the author thing, I started picking up uh, Mm -hmm. requests to speak on a level that I had never had before. Craziest thing happened is so unreasonable. She wanted a husband. And you're probably excited about this stretch that was coming in some ways, more time for each other. Right, right, right. After the kids were launching. Not to say that the book writing wasn't exciting and some of the opportunities that have come because of that. But yes, it was, yeah, it's like, wait, this isn't what my idea of what uh, it would look like. 
Yeah. But there was a season where someone was, hey, when's your next book, next book coming out? I was saying, I'm taking a break from writing. They said, for how long? I said, ah, probably for five or six years. Yeah. And I said, why? And the answer is, because my wife is tired of being neglected. And they would <laughs> chuckle. And then they would look and realize that I wasn't joking. You weren't joking. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't joking. It's literally mm-hmm. because my wife's tired of being neglected. Yeah, and so- sure. um, I, I always say, one mistress- was enough, yeah. not two. The church being the first mistress. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of one. sharing. There's a lot of sharing going on with yeah. the church. And now with- yeah, you can have one girlfriend, yeah. Ada yeah. Bible Church. Ada Bible Church. That's, That's it. Two ain't. Yeah. It's just too many. Yeah. yeah. Well, something I've loved about you too is you have a certain glow about you when you talk about your grandkids. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. I know one of the challenging stretches is one of your grandkids um, was born with Downs yeah. and health challenges- uh, so there's the challenge of the the grandchild struggle, but then watching your kids navigate that too. Um, what was that stretch of your marriage like? Or I guess you're still in it. Right, right. Um, yeah, but not like I we wouldn't were. say we are. It's not a struggle now, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they found out that Hazel had a heart defect okay. um, uh, at, during an ultrasound. And the hard part, I think, first was... The heart defect, when they're saying this baby might not survive, this baby was probably going to die in utero, those kind of horrible things that are coming at you, at, at the kids and, uh, you know, us. And um, so it began there. And then once we got the diagnosis of this is Down syndrome, it's like, oh, okay, no no problem, mm-hmm. we, you know. But still, I mean, this is going to be a lifelong thing that, our children um, go through and have to, we continually deal with as a family. But, um, but I think those, especially those in utero times where it's like you're seeing your children suffer mm. and you want to do anything you can to take that pain away. And there's just. Was it three or four extended ICU. There were four. Four in the Not first year. Not including the heart surgery. Wow. So open heart surgery at four months old. Mm-hmm. But so mm-hmm. Hazel doesn't come home from the hospital. She's hooked up to all the tubes and wires and everything. Then open heart surgery. Then back again. Then back again. This was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so Chris is running down. I'm running down. We're trying to do the church pastor thing, the pastor wife thing, and trying to be emotionally present to kids with an infant that may or may not make it. Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, yeah. Yeah. This was what a, a day or a week would look like. At least once a week, I would drive down to Michigan City. So what, hour and a half or so away. Yeah, hop on the two and a half, hop on the train, get down on to downtown Chicago, walk a mile to get to the hospital so I could be with my daughter and my baby, my grandbaby, and hold her in ICU for maybe twenty minutes, and then I they would kick me out. Not my daughter, but yeah. you know, Grandma. and then I'd get back, <laughs> walk down, get on the train, sure. come home, and I would do that once a week, mm-hmm. if not more. And then, and this was for months. And then at one point, and we knew it was a really, there was something really bad going on with Hazel. And I just cried as I left my daughter. We both were crying. Something just was not right with this precious little baby. And and I left, I got home and she calls us and says, she's in heart failure and mm-hmm. we're right back. You know, yeah. the same day, right back yeah. down there right. to just be with your kids and the the. And you still have other grandbabies at home and other kids and, you know, just trying to balance all that. But um, walking through something really hard like that with your children when really all you can do is support and love them. 
but they have to walk it. Yeah. And that's really hard as a parent to have to step back and watch. Yeah. And how know did how do you step to, in? How did it affect you as a married couple? That wasn't a good time for us either. That was one of our really challenging spots apart from that birth. Mm. And so of the handful of times that I that would look back and say, my goodness, that was just was not a happy space. That would be one of those. And so it wasn't that we just kind of like just came together and everything was awesome. We, we were challenged apart from that and then with that. Mm. And none of the other life pressures were changing during that. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm sure things were just getting more and more. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. In that space, Chris, um, mm-hmm. presence is important, mm-hmm. but also prayer is mm-hmm. probably adamant. Mm-hmm. I know I think about the scripture, this is uh, the prayers of a, a righteous person avails much. Mm-hmm. And in that space, um, for you, you talked about the prayer for your husband, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even praying for your, your grandchildren. You know, what were, and I don't want to get too detailed, but what were some of those things in your heart that you just were asking God about for your kids and for your grandkids in that space? Well, that they would that they would grow closer to the Lord because yeah. of it. Um, that they would get his strength, their strength from Him. Um, that God would help me know how to balance because I also had another newborn grandbaby at the same time. Yeah, and actually, and even had to felt as though as time grew on, apologize to my daughter in law and saying, "I'm so sorry, I missed out." on this yeah. with your baby. Right. And she's yeah. like, yeah. why would you ever, yeah. ever mm-hmm. apologize? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and um, just trying to be in tune. And because these th- two, these seven-year-olds are so close together, I was praying for our family that we would stay together as a family yeah. unity and unit and um, not let the comparison thing divide us. Exactly. So those are things that, yeah. um, and it we... I just, I just can't say enough about um, how blessed we have been with our family. Um, there's been a lot of struggles, you know. I mean, obviously, you go through those teenage years and that kind of thing, but um, our family loves being together. And like God's I, really answered those yes, prayers. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily no. get to grow up with that, yeah. you know. And so. Wow. Um, yeah, not everybody gets that. No, no. And you can't, um, I can't give anybody a recipe. Nope. And, and so it's a severe, it's a, a mercy of God and yeah. a grace of God mm-hmm. that in this stretch, we've got a really tightly connected kids and sisters-in-laws, brothers-in-laws, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, um, um, I, I would say that's probably top, top blessing in our life is yeah. connected with our family. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear that. And Jeff and Chris, as, as, as I'm listening to hear your story, um, a lot of it for the first time, I think about, I know you, you, you are adamant about the idea of, you know, here's here. I'm not going to give you ABC one two three, Michael yeah. Jackson. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but but in that space, as I listen, I think about our listeners who are probably like, "Wow, I could take that from your story. I can use those prayer points for things that I'm navigating. I can think about that." And in a sense, while you may be not thinking it is, but some for some people, it's like, "Wow, like this gives me some." steps, some things to think about, some things to reflect on as a couple when we're navigating those 
ebbs and flows of marriage, those rituals that we have and those rhythms that we have. And I think that your story speaks so much into that space. Um, so with that being said, yeah. um, let me ask you, you know, what's, what's maybe, uh, What's maybe one tip? One, one, you gave a lot of tips already. You <laughs> He's say like, that. don't pressure right. me. But, 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 but what's yeah. maybe one tip uh, that would you would say um, that uh, you would want to give to couples, just in general? Okay, I have something to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what gets you to the marriage, to the wedding, what gets you to the wedding mm-hmm. will not sustain you in the marriage. Mm. That what gets you together probably won't keep you together. And most people who walk the aisle together give some version of we fell in love. And if being in love, which is really cool, gets you to, I will take you to be my husband, my wife. Um, I would, I would say that in most marriages, there are several seasons where you fall in and out of love. Mm. And so falling in love can get you to the wedding, but then people often say, I'm no longer in love, so I'm out of the marriage. And I go, no, 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 no. You just have to tap into a different motivation. Uh, Yes, romantic interest and falling in love got you to the commitment, but then other things have to click in. And among those, and this is not an exhaustive list, but Mm -hmm. uh, uh, commitment, Devotion. Do you feel in love with her right now? Not particularly, and I'm really sure she doesn't feel in love with me right now. (laughs) Why are you still together? Because we're deeply devoted to each other. Mm -hmm. We're deeply committed to this for the long run. And our story has been that we weathered those seasons that were just no fun at all and often got to a real sweet spot on the other side of that. And so right now, we... I don't, I don't know what you would say. I'd say this is, this is one of the most rewarding seasons of our entire marriage. Uh, I like her a lot. That's awesome. And I like being with her yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that we made it through the rocky seasons in order to get to the sweet seasons on the other side. But there's been more than one of those rocky seasons. And so, um, you know, people go, yeah, we were in love and I don't know that I love him anymore. I go, so what? <laughs> Uh, and I, I, you know, I just, it wasn't dependent on it, Yeah, well, that's not why you stay together. Um, you know, and now uh, there are situations where there's chronic, un- chronic unfaithfulness. Sure. I don't mean that. Yeah. Uh, where someone has experienced physical abuse, I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. I mean, between good-hearted people, romantic interest will ebb and flow and go away and come back. And so, Samuel, I encourage dudes... Yeah. Uh, just behave before you feel. Mm. I ain't feeling it right now. It doesn't matter. Uh, what would a loving husband do? Sure. Okay. Do that. And uh, because often feelings follow behavior and yet there's almost something that can trigger in someone's mind that feels disingenuous. Mm. If I'm not feeling it and I'm kind, then that's fake. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. if you're not feeling it, do the kind thing, do the good thing. Um Behave before you feel. Let emotions follow when they may, mm. but focus on, you know. So anyway, yeah, um, that's good. That, that's yeah. the, the, the number one piece of advice that I would give. That's awesome, Chris. Well, women are all about feelings, uh-huh. and so I <laughs> would also, yeah. I know. <laughs> and yeah. I would say to the women, yeah. behave before you feel Same thing. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it takes two people mm-hmm. to give a hundred percent. And there might be times in your life where 
one person isn't giving 100%, so you have to give the 150. Don't resent it. Work towards the you know giving the other per- bringing that other person along. Yeah. But sometimes there comes times where you step in and have to carry the load, and there's other times where the spouse has to. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's a there, that's the way it goes through. If you're, life. If you're looking for a constant 50 50 mm-hmm. or 100, negotiating 100, point, yeah, good luck with yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst advice ever. There are little stretches where I'm bringing more. Yeah, someone's, run, someone's run down, someone's yeah. depressed, yeah. someone's uh, overcommitted to something else. And so it's, it's, it's a ba- balance, find balance. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a constant struggle to find balance sure. with that. For sure. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, I think we could sit down with them for a whole lot longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, you can tell that after 40 years, you are in a very sweet place in your marriage. And it's just a neat opportunity. We'd like to close our episodes with just allowing you an opportunity to share. What, what is it you especially appreciate about that other person right in real time, like these days? We'll let Chris start. I have a list. Oh, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> well, um, I think one thing that I've always appreciated about my husband is that he has a very hard work ethic. It's, you know, some, yeah. So he's always taken care of us and um, I've never had to worry about my husband um, being a sluggard. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Um, And so that's one. I love that we are travel buddies and that we just have so much fun being together traveling it's just been, it was a dream of mine as a child. I never got to, I never believed I could dream, I could, would live that dream of traveling the world with a great, my best travel buddy. I love that you love campfires. Our family makes so much fun of you with your campfires um. and your fires. And yet that has taught us to relax and to enjoy things. And I think some of our best family memories have been around those campfires. And then... um I love it when you're with, I have, I had this year the two, three-year-olds at my house once a week, um, all day, and they would come in screaming and yelling for grandma, but as soon as grandpa came in, grandpa, give us a horsey back ride, grandpa, do this, grandpa, do this, and I remember seeing him sitting on the the sofa with his arms around the girls, reading a book to them, and I just looked at him and said, Man, you are so hot to me right now. <laughs> Got all those tingly feelings. <laughs> so um, yeah. he's a hot grandpa. That, that just awesome. turns me on. That when is he awesome. Does it. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And Doctor Seuss got me there. If you had only known two three-year-olds and but see, green eggs and ham, such affection for the little ones—that <laughs> yeah. is a very attractive thing. Well, let me begin. Let me begin there too. Uh, investment. What I like about you. <laughs> what I appreciate about you. Uh, investment in our children and grandchildren. Uh, our house is just. The, the, the grandkids come in the door, race to the kitchen, fling open the pantry door. They know exactly where the snacks are. And it really is their second home. And so the, the way that uh, Chris has orchestrated our home to be a place that's lived in and uh, can wrestle in. And so uh, I, I love that about what she's done to their home. Uh, an extension of that uh, hospitality is um, I have a lot of times teachers come in for, uh, recently it was like for three days, but had some house guests for five nights. That stayed with you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so a group international pastors that Great. I had did a preaching clinic. 
And um, it's like our house is a retreat center. And so, but it's my home. So I don't have to go to a retreat center. I come home to a retreat center. And that is a reflection of Chris's hospitality. Another thing I like, because she gets stuff done. Mm -hmm. Uh, She starts a project, throws herself into a project, finishes uh, a project. And so, uh, compassion. Uh, She loves to cook for people, meals. I mean, later this evening, there's a single woman in uh, our world, and Chris is going to go over, meet her at a store, help her get stuff to move into her first house. Um, Chris is a planner, and that's joined to the hospitality thing. And so that might seem like low-level praise, but we had, when my my brothers were over with their families, did we have 40 people Mm -hmm, at the house? mm -hmm. And so my sister and brother-in-law are staying with us. And the fact we're having 40 people over in hours, they're looking at Chris going like, we can't believe you're calm. And as everything had been planned for days in advance, she knew where everything was. And so it allowed us to have 40 guests in our backyard with low drama. And so when I say she's organized, that it seems like low level praise, but the high level praise is it just allows us to enjoy people and uh, to be with people, present with people. So um, I could go on and on, but those are, those are some things mm-hmm. I like about you. Yeah, I feel like both of these friends give it their all. I tell you. <laughs> you know, and just complimentary gifts. And I have been to your home. It's an experience. It is a retreat, just stepping in the door. Definitely. I know you're making great memories there. Mm-hmm. You two have been a gift to our church family. Mm-hmm. Your marriage has meant a lot to us. Uh, thank you for all you've invested in it. And it has ripple effects. Thank you. We wow. talk about that a lot. And it really does. And a lot of our families have been affected by... Mm-hmm you investing in your marriage the way you have. Thank you for sharing this with us today. Wow, thanks. Thanks for inviting us to the table. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, together, friends, we want to thank you again for joining us on this monumental podcast um, with the Mannion family. Um, If this podcast has impacted your life in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, Feel free to comment, share, and like our podcast on your listening platform. So for Samuel, Rachel, Kelly, Andy, and Corey, um, this has been Together. We hope that you tune in next time. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform. Leave a comment and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.